Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 143 of the North Meet South web podcast. Uh, dads and Dev, shall we? Should we talk about Dads and Dev? Dads and Dev. Dads Ooh, one of the Dev. OGs. David Hampill, bring it back. Yep. And so David uh, messaged today and said um, it was a sad day that Dave, that David's website is, is dead. Dadsanddev.com is no longer a thing. And I was sad too because I was one of the last people on the show. I, I think I was in the last episode. And I, I'm not even sure if David You're was right. on it. Dads and Dev. So like their website is dead. They have a GitHub. And they have a... I feel like there's a Dads and Dev... Let me see. Hold on. I think there's like a pod. There's a couple like sites that like did the the podcast. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they they actually like um I don't hosted know, it, hosted it or whatever. And maybe that's still yeah, there. Yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, it's sad, you know, because like they were one of my original inspirations for when we started this thing. Um, it was like, oh yeah, those mm-hmm. guys are doing it. That'd be cool. And I remember actually the year that we started this, my my goal I had written down was to be on Dads and Dev. I wanted to be on Dads and Dev. And I accomplished that goal, which was awesome. Got to be on there. Uh, Andrew Del Preti was the only one on there and David deked out for some reason, but whatever. Anyway, yeah, it's a sad day. Like I hate to see things on the internet just not be there anymore. Even if it's not active, I mm-hmm. still wish that the stuff was there. Like the content was there and it's no longer there. Yeah. And yeah. so I asked David, I was like, hey, is there, um, you know, is there some archives or something? Do you still have the recordings? I could just throw them up on a Cloudflare instance or something or something, you know, just, mm-hmm. just to have them out there. I just, I wish there's a way to make stuff stay out there forever. Uh, but I know it's hosting costs yeah. and whatever and blah, blah, blah. So hopefully we can keep this around for a long time, though. I'd, I'd love to do that. Like, yeah. just keep this going for even if even if we didn't host it on Transistor anymore. If we just like if, if we someday yeah. one of us, I don't know. I don't know. Sure. I, I don't know. In any case, we should have like a, a plan to move it off of this and something. Yeah. Know. I think when it's active, you know, you want you want to kind of upload some of those costs in terms of hosting and keeping the media, you know, serving that content and all of that kind of stuff. Transistor is a really good way of doing that in a cost effective manner. But when you're not recording, not producing, not releasing new episodes, but you want to keep it around, you kind of don't really want to pay that cost to kind of keep it active. So, and I think if you're not doing it actively, putting it somewhere like Cloudflare where, you know, it's cheap to kind of host the MP3 files on on their storage service and you can just do like a static page that just links to everything and, and serves up a static feed. You don't have to worry about the dynamic RSS or anything like that because you're never going to be releasing new stuff. I think that's probably a cost effect. You're still paying some cost for it, but it's marginal compared to, you know, it's not like you're going to have hundreds and hundreds or thousands of, of listens for a podcast that you're not keeping up to date. So, right, right. Yeah, it's a shame, shame that it's not around anymore. But, you know, I get, I get it. I if you're not doing it and you're just paying, paying the fees for it to kind of sit there. It's, yeah. 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 It's like, it's like, I get it. so I, I, I do get it too. But, Yep, it's sad. Ending of an era, and you, you hate to see it, but it happens. So, hmm. there was a couple of things I was interested in talking about today. One is static site generation and Jigsaw mm-hmm. and where you host that and all the fun stuff that comes along with that and some build steps and blah, blah, blah. And then I also wanted to talk about yarn versus NPM versus bun. What is bun? Have you heard of this bun stuff? 
What is going on? I don't know. It's just an, it's just another thing that I haven't kept up with. You know, versus cloud services also like not bun and cloud services, just cloud services in general. That's one other thing mm-hmm. I want to talk about. They're just yeah, start I with know, I that. Get, I get dude. I don't know. Yeah, let's start with it. I get very, very confused when people start talking. No, it's like NPM is a package manager. Yeah, okay, right? sure. Yes, NPM and is a package manager. Yes, yes. Package manager. And then Yarn is same kind of thing. Well, know? it's not even... And it yeah, runs NPM your, isn't like a package manager isn't it, so much. It's like it's an installer for... Because like NPM is actually the package manager, right? Does NPM host them? I guess it doesn't. I don't know if it does. Like anytime I need to find something, I go look it up on NPM. NPMJS.com, right? NPM is synonymous, as I understand it, NPM is synonymous with Composer. You know, the, the things are hosted somewhere, they, whether they're on, you know, they're referenced on NPMJS the same way that things are referenced on Composer.org. But, no, not get Composer, Composer.org, uh, but Packagist. Get Composer. Packagist, right? And But those, the, the code itself is hosted on GitHub or Bitbucket or whatever, GitLab. But where, you know, Bun has that functionality. They talk about Bun as a run, like a JavaScript runtime. So as like, I understand what, it, yeah, okay. So like, let's, let's just equate terms with terms. It's here. an okay. all-in-one so, toolkit. They call yeah, yeah, it. exactly. So let's say that like we have PHP as our base language and then we have GitHub, which is hosting packages and Packagist, which is where you can kind of have the packages. I think that's where, I think that's where Composer goes to look to see when you say, hey, install yeah. this thing. It goes to Packagist and Packagist says, yep, we have a package uh, that's advertised on here and it's hosted over here. We'll go handle downloading that for you. So Packagist is kind of what, you know, says here's all the repos and, and Composer is, is responsible for installing them and all that stuff. Okay, so if that's PHP and that's Composer and that's Packagist. You then have Node, which is PHP in this scenario. And then you have Composer, which is NPM. Sorry, you have NPM, which is Composer in this scenario. And then you have npmjs.com, which is Packagist in this scenario, right? So those are the three things that we're talking about. So Yarn is a replacement for NPM. It it handles installing the packages and it has some additional things that it does. Like it had some caching back in the day that and i'm going to sound so stupid to people who actually know what this is but yarn was basically a faster way to install npm right uh or a faster way to install the packages that were in your package.json right yeah yeah okay. it was better at doing deterministic yeah package version resolution right so so that was the npm versus yarn scenario right it wasn't replacing node right. it was just you were replacing npm with yarn but now bun is not that Bun is a all-in-one toolkit for JavaScript and TypeScript, TypeScript apps. It actually replaces Node as well, I believe. It can. Um, blah, 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 blah. All in, uh, okay. Bun, Re- bun complete, uh, Yeah, complete with a bundler, test runner, and Node.js compatible package manager. Uh, it is a JavaScript runtime. It, was, it, it aims to increase speed, have an elegant API, and a cohesive developer experience. It's a drop-in replacement for Node.js. Okay, so that's the difference here. So Bun is not only replacing NPM as the package installer, right? It's actually a drop-in replacement for Node. So it natively mm-hmm. implements hundreds of Node.js and web APIs, including blah, 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 blah. The goal is to run most of the world's server-side JavaScript and provide tools to improve performance, reduce complexity, and multiply developer productivity. So it is a drop-in node replacement. In addition, however, it also is a NPM-compatible package manager. It is 
both, right? It also has the other thing that it's, it's providing, right? Is it has the APIs that you need baked in to the runtime itself. So you can start an HTTP server or a WebSocket server. You can read rent files. You can hash pass all that stuff. All these things are baked in to bun. I'm assuming for the purpose of making it faster, right? I would mm-hmm. assume, right? So they're saying like, Hey, these are sensible defaults that you're going to likely need. We're just going to package these in to bun itself. And here you go. You're all set. So that's what it looks like. The only reason it came across my feed is because James Brooks said that it's now going to be uh, installed by default with all new Forge provisioned servers. So I was like, what is this? What is bun? So that's what it is. This is today was literally the first time I heard about it. I've not used it at all. I don't really do Node.js stuff very often. I should probably know more about yeah. it than I do, but I don't. So that's it. That's what it is. That's bun. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds... Sounds great. I mean, we just moved over to Vite for for our work application. And so we're using Inertia and Laravel and Vue. And so we're using Vite for building. We're using TypeScript for, I don't know, all the other stuff I don't touch at the moment, just avoiding it for as long as I can. Yep, yep. And they're like, I don't know, I, I saw that Bun was the thing and I said to the, the JavaScript crew, the, the front-end guys on our team, so when do we switch to this thing? It's been out about five minutes now, so surely yeah. it's time to switch over now. <laughs> oh my god! And uh, yeah, so I don't know. It's built in Zig, which is a language I've never never heard of before. No, but me it's either. it's a like C C plus plus kind of okay. thing, so you can see where it kind of comes from. I think sounds sounds good. Like if it speeds up the compilation time, I I suppose that's a good thing. In terms of JavaScript runtime, I'm not running JavaScript on the server. What a not going to even go there. But um, sure. Yeah, right. And so they've I got guess use, some use use what what makes you happy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they've got like they've got on here like, you know, of course the um the different sort of benchmarks uh is how many requests bun can serve, which is like double what the typical benchmark is, almost quadruple what a typical or like a a default Node.js installation is. And then they also have like the uh benchmarks for um uh, a test runner, right? So yeah, if you use just plus Babel, it takes 7.43 seconds. If you use bun, it takes 0.23 seconds, right? And yeah. then you've got uh, the other thing with a package manager deal, which, you know, also takes less time. So, I mean, it's it looks compelling. Like if you're using it, right? Yeah, great. Sure. Um, bun, yeah. if you're using yarn, it takes 12 seconds. If you're using bun, it takes 0.36 seconds. So, I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, why not? Whatever. I don't care. It's just um, one of those things. Yeah. Like, does GitHub Actions support it yet? I don't know. So anyway, that, that'll that probably be the thing for us. Like if Bun gets supported by GitHub Actions or if Bun can be a thing in GitHub Actions, then yeah, sure. Why not? I'll switch over to using Bun. I don't care. It's It doesn't, it literally makes no difference except for you're going to be running what Bun install versus like NPM install or something. I don't know. So, yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. You know, and... I think it's a bit heavy-handed if you're not doing all the other stuff. You know, the if you're in the JavaScript ecosystem or the TypeScript ecosystem and you are writing JavaScript on the back end and on the front end and you're doing the installation, like it makes sense to have one tool that does it all. If it's, you know, for us where it's just a bit of compilation of stuff but you don't need it on the back end, like it probably gets a bit heavy-handed. Yeah, it's, sure. it's going to be quicker. And like, you know, 12 months' time, TaylorMade aside, you know, 
let's let's switch to using Bun for everything now that you know upgrade Laravel Mix to use V uh, use Bun instead of Vite and you know go from there. I don't know. I don't think I don't think it replaces that. I don't I don't think it would replace Vite. I think it just replaces the installer, not the builder necessarily. I don't know. I don't know. No, does, okay, does we can all, right, doesn't it? We can we can move on to to other things that we actually know what we're talking about. Um, the one thing I will say is that um, I don't understand completely the logo. It looks more like a dumpling to me than a bun. Yes, yeah, that's a that's a that's a bun. You call them dumplings, but they're pork buns, which is like a Japanese ah, thing. Oh, okay, so bun. you call it a bun. Japanese you call it a bun. Pork I would call bun. that a dumpling. Oh, no, we have dumplings, or a pot sticker, different things different thing it's a steamed pork bun right okay. dumplings not not quite the same okay it's just, um it's a lack of uh oh man it's a lack of culture on on my side not knowing i dare i embarrass myself further because i have just something to tell you i have something to tell you which is going to be maybe really embarrassing go on, <laughs> go on. folks I said, should i say I said it? some uh, stuff oh my go word on. okay so we've been looking for another developer. Mm-hmm. Talked to two dudes from Brazil. Very good. They look honestly like great candidates, right? But on the guy's resume, it said he was from Portugal. And I was like, okay, well, so when I called him, I was like, hey, like it's, uh, you know, what time of day is it for you? Like, I, I want to make sure I'm sensitive to like your time zone and stuff. And he's like, oh, no, it's it's fine. Like it's, uh, you know, I was calling him near the end of the day. He's like, it's only like five o'clock. I'm like, a.m.? Mm-hmm. He's like, no, 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 like p.m. I'm like, oh, okay like i i knew it was i was like i didn't think it was that close of a time zone he's like oh no i'm in brazil right now I'm like, oh oh oh, okay gotcha gotcha i'm like all right so um like are you full-time in brazil or do you live in portugal he's like yeah no i i live in portugal i'm from brazil i'm like okay okay i was like do you speak portuguese he's like yeah i was like oh when did you learn that he's like i've always known portuguese like i'm from brazil i'm like don't you speak spanish he's like no I speak Portuguese. Oh my gosh. And so anybody who I've talked to, yeah, Michael's like, you know, I know you, I know all of you are out there like, what? How did you not know that? I did not know this. I did not know this. And I talked to Nuno. I messaged Nuno. I was like, dude, I was like, is this like, you know, he's like, bro, how, (laughs) how did you not know that people from Brazil speak Portuguese? Oh, so Do you bad. know my favorite so thing bad. about about this this little interaction is that you just kept digging. I didn't know. <laughs> just, I literally didn't kept... know, and so I was just like completely ignorant. And he's like, "No, I like, of uh... course I speak Portuguese. Like, why would I not speak Portuguese? So bad, so bad." And so there's a guy. Actually, there's a guy from my church, and I was I was talking to him about it the next day. I was like, "Dude, I'm so I'm so embarrassed to myself because I was like, you're, he's this guy's from Portugal." And I was like, I didn't know Brazilians spoke Portuguese. He's like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course they speak Portuguese. He's like, what did you think? They spoke Spanish? I was like, yeah. He was like, oh. He's like, yeah, no. He's like, no. He's like, everybody else around, you know, there speaks Spanish. But Portugal does, you know, or Brazil does not speak Spanish. So anyway, I learned something new. So thanks. Thanks for, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just a me thing. Other people that I talked to, other Americans knew. I think it's just me. So, oh, sorry, everybody. Sorry. Excellent. Yes. That is, that so is it wonderful. Was, mm, it was great. It was great. Um, okay. Side rant. Cloud services. Here's what I'll say about cloud, serv- cloud services, right? Cloud services are great. You don't have to manage the servers internally. They just work. Failovers, you know, service interruptions. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. 
as long as they actually continue to work. That's the problem. And if they Mm -hmm. don't work, you are just screwed because there's nothing you can do except for put in the ticket and make as much noise as you can, as fast as you can, as loud as you can, and hope that somebody responds to you or hope that they get their crap together and start running their stuff correctly again in shorter than a period of three days long of an outage. Because Mm. Pusher, we've relied on Pusher heavily for a long time uh, for a lot of communication between some of our stuff. And it's just, I'm not going to go into the architecture of it all, but it's been really great for a long time until it's not great. And so we started having outages at the beginning of this year. And then we've had more and more of them recently until just a couple of days ago, we had an outage for like three days in a row. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And there's nothing you can do except for wait and tell your people, hey, they're like, what's going on? I'm like, well, check status.pusher.com. Go check out for yourself. Like I have, there's nothing I can do. Literally nothing I can do except for spin up our own version of Laravel WebSockets. And I will say we've been paying Pusher handsomely for the past however long and they're losing a customer because they can't keep their crap up and that just sucks but it's the same thing with like our phone service provider like it's like oh yeah you guys don't have to worry about stuff going down locally worry about failover worry about redundancy because we'll handle all of that until they don't and then it's like you're just out of luck and so i don't know man i like the idea of cloud services but if you have an internal team who can help run some of that stuff itself man you're almost better sometimes to host it yourself i know it's like more headaches sometimes but gosh dude Mm -hmm. it's just completely out of your hands and we've had more outages in the last year with our phone service provider than we ever had when we were running our own pri lines like so i don't know it's just frustrating sometimes you know because it's like money is um, on the line dude money like every minute that you are down we are losing money and it's just frustrating there's nothing Mm -hmm. you can do yeah, there's, there's the balance, right? If you have the expertise and the people that are like dedicated to managing the infrastructure and the services, then yeah, you're probably going to want to do it in-house. There are probably still some things that you'll want to outsource. A lot of businesses, especially now, I think, they don't necessarily have that in-house thing. Um, there's a lot more small businesses about. There's a lot more startups and you know one and two people companies and things like that where their focus is on selling their product or or you know doing offering their services or whatever and they just need something to support the business right. they're not you know these are not you know maybe even a 10 person company you're probably not going to have an infrastructure team or a operations team or something like that so yeah it makes total sense that that stuff is hosted even even for us we have a team now that manages all of our AWS internally. There are still things that we wouldn't wouldn't get hosted externally. Uh, that we wouldn't get hosted internally, rather. You know, there are still things that we would want to do. GitHub, for example, is not the kind of thing that you would want to bring in house. Managing right, right. even you know GitLab and things like that, having that in house. As you know, I've, we've I've been in organizations before where we had it in house, and it's just a pain. You know, it gets set up and we had a couple of jobs ago GitLab installed, but it had been butchered to work. I think GitLab is supposed to run on Postgres. And we had the person that had set it up had butchered it to run on My, MySQL or vice versa, you know, whichever. And so when it came time to upgrade, it was like, oh, we can't really upgrade because the upgrade path is 
broken because it's been butchered to do something it's not supposed to do. So, yeah, it's uh, it's certainly um, trade-offs. It's, it's interesting seeing some of the, the dialogue at the moment. I loathe to give DHH any any airtime about it, but, the, you know, Basecamp <laughs> have announced this new once.com thing. You know, businesses seen this. long for the time from before and, you know, they want to have a once-off purchase for their stuff and they just want to buy it once, use it forever kind of thing. And Ian Landsman subtweeted this, you know, it's all very, like businesses don't actually want that, I think, by and large. And I kind of agree with, with, um, with Ian that by and large businesses don't want to, you know, they might only want to pay for it once and use it forever. Sure. But they don't necessarily want the responsibility of having to host it and maintain it and keep it up to date. Security fixes where we're in a largely digital world, everything's online now. You don't really want to have to be responsible for keeping things secure. You know, the liability on you as a, as a small business could be, you know, hugely detrimental to the point that you cease to exist if something happened. Whereas if it's a, a managed third party, you know, there's at least some liability that, you know, you kind of try and say, you know, try and get away with some of that liability by having hopefully reputable services that you're doing. You know, if Salesforce gets compromised, for example, for your CRM, Salesforce is a big business with a lot of money that, you know, they're going to have to do something about right. it. Whereas if that happened to you as an individual, yeah, you're sort of like a small business. You're, in, you know, who who's going to help out to sort that out? You wouldn't know. You wouldn't have the data forensics or anything like that to figure out that something had happened. So, yeah, there's. I think it's easy to say people want to in-house things, but I don't think necessarily it's something that people act like. Like I say, I think people for sure want to pay for something once and use it forever. I don't think that they really want to be able to have. Or they don't really want to have to manage that yeah. long term. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. I mean, I, I need to. I would need to look at Ian Landsman's uh, tweets on that. Yeah, because I, I haven't. Mm. I, I, even DHH's tweets on that. I haven't. I, I'm. I'm not educated on exactly what it is that you're saying, but I get. I get the sentiment, right? Um, and again, yeah. like you said, like it kind of so, comes down to like it kind of comes down to like what's your internal capacity? What do you have the expertise to be able to handle yourself? I think the so all the benefits. So like, of course. When I, when we have an outage, the only thing that I'm looking at is all of the downsides. And, you know, whenever it's running great, I don't ever think about all of the upsides, which is that I don't ever have to send, you know, people home early to get an update done or send an IT guy home early so he can run an update at midnight tonight. You know what I mean? And somebody stayed up late to do all that stuff and patching servers and making sure that we're not vulnerable. I don't think about any of that stuff. I just think about the downsides, which was like, you know, mm-hmm. but. For us, we're already managing a bunch of servers internally anyway. Like we already have to do that anyway. So adding one more server to the list is like no big deal. Like we already have the infrastructure to do all that. So for us specifically, it makes sense to have some internal things hosted. Whereas I can understand for like startups or small companies and things like that where you don't necessarily have that or or whatever. Yeah, I I can understand why that might not be the the choice that you'd want to make. But yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about here was static site generation stuff and and jigsaw. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me about your site real quick. So you host your own website. How do you host your site? What what's the sort of structure for your site? What do you do that with? Do you have a static uh, site? It's just a no. It's just a Laravel no, it's not app. A static site. Okay. It's got it's um. 
can tell how long it's been since I posted. I'm pretty sure it's running Nova on the like as the admin. Okay. And it's like just sitting behind a Cloudflare. It's not static site generator or anything like that. No. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, the, the dream is sort of like I'd like to have a great, you know, a really easy authoring environment where I can make a pull request and all I'm doing is just modifying a file inside of GitHub and I'm just writing a post in there, right? And then, mm-hmm. ta-da, I press the merge PR button and it gets published to the web. That'd be awesome. I wouldn't have to even do it locally. I could literally just do it on my phone if I wanted to. Yeah. And so I, I do think, so So what we've been doing up to this point is Netlify. Netlify has been working, but they have this, you know, for now it's like only if you're a public GitHub repo, do you get free deployment sort of stuff. Otherwise you have to sign up for their premium plan, which I understand private repos, whatever your business. Great. 20 bucks mm-hmm. a month, not mm-hmm. the end of the world. However, all of our other stuff is on Cloudflare and we have Cloudflare pages. Great. That's awesome. Only problem with Cloudflare pages is get this. They only support version 7.4 of PHP. What? What the heck? That's been end of life forever. Like, why are you running yeah. PHP 7.4 as like the only version of PHP you support? And you're like, it is. Madness. It's madness. Absolutely. So if you want to run a build step inside of Cloudflare pages with a PHP version with 7. No, not doing that. Right. I'm not going to go backwards to version 7.4 so I can compile my site on your. No, not doing that. So I'm stuck with Netlify. Unless I want to use something else to compile the page for me. Aha, back to what we were at last week or last two weeks ago, which is compiling using GitHub Actions. Can I compile my site using GitHub Actions and then just ship it over to Cloudflare pages and just have it look at static pages? Like it doesn't need to run any PHP runtime at that point. It's just static pages. Can I do that? Yes, you can. And James Brooks has a James Brooks again. He pops up again. James Brooks, man, what's up with this guy? He has an article out there. What a guy. He is a good guy. Um, he has a uh blog post out there from January 1st, 2020, about Titan's Jigsaw, GitHub pages, and GitHub Actions. So how he has been using Jigsaw uh and then using GitHub Actions to push to a branch that GitHub pages is hosting, which is pretty cool. I think that's like you literally don't even have to pay for hosting then. You just do yeah. your GitHub pages and you're all set to go. Like, no, not even $5 a month. It's just free. Like, how freaking sweet is that? So I will share this in the show notes. But in his uh, in his um, blog post here, he talks about doing exactly that. So what he does is if, ever, if you've ever used Jigsaw before, you have like a source folder, right? And so um, in your source folder, that's where you put all the different pages and YAML files and all of your stuff that you want to have for your site. And then you run npm run production if you're ready to compile it. And that will build out a build underscore production folder or a build underscore local folder, depending on how you're running it with what environment. And uh, that will be used when you go to the site as your root directory. And then it just serves the files out of there. Great, no problem. So the way that James has got it set up is he has a branch called source. And in his source branch, he deleted the build production folder and he just has the source folder in there. And then he set up a GitHub action that when he pushes to source, it will do NPM CI and NPM run production. And then it takes the build production folder and force pushes it onto the master branch. Uh, GitHub pages Hmm. sees that the master branch has been updated, updates the GitHub pages. You're all set to go. Bob's your uncle, as they say in Australia and all those (laughs) other, you know, London places. 
Um, and so it's it works pretty sweet. And so this is what I'm trying to do with Cloudflare Pages. Is I'm trying to get a branch called Source, and then I'm trying to push it to another branch called I don't I don't want to nuke my master branch yet, so I'm just going to push it to a branch called Main, and then I'll just switch over to Main when mm-hmm. I'm ready to go. And then have Cloudflare just look at main. Now, the other thing that was holding me back from using Cloudflare is that Netlify has a really easy to use plugin for forms. You literally just put this little data element on a form. And whenever somebody submits it, you can say, oh, run that to me. Send that to me through this, whatever. And then in my Netlify dashboard, I can go see all the emails that were sent, whatever. Cloudflare now has a similar functionality where you can just set up a little functions file inside of your GitHub repo and specify the node that should run uh, when it is to send a particular form. And then you just tag this form in your HTML with this data element, and it will package up all the fields when somebody presses submit. It will handle auto-filtering of spam as it you know knows what spam looks like because it handles billions of requests a day. And then it'll send it to your inbox. And once again, Bob's your uncle. So that's what I'm working on right now is getting everything switched over from Netlify to Cloudflare pages because of multiple reasons just to have a centralized place to manage it so i don't have to have netlify logins floating around and i have to share that with my it guys with my Mm -hmm. dev guys anybody who has the cloudflare login to pages they can just handle it no big deal yeah Um, but also because cloudflare has really great great like web application firewall stuff like it does all sorts of filtering and makes sure that if you're under attack you know if you're getting a ddos attack or something it'll help manage that um, so it's just all around good. So that's, that's what I'm working on. Um, so like I said, we will share the show notes in the, or sorry, we will share the link in the show notes. If you're looking for a way to host your site, Jigsaw is a great way to do it. Along with GitHub pages, you can get it for free. If you follow this tutorial, hopefully it will help you make that happen, make that reality for yourself. And that's probably the way I'll go too, nice. honestly, because I haven't, on my site, it's just a static site, but you know, and what well, I'm paying five bucks a month for it. No big deal. But I'd rather have it on GitHub Pages, to be real honest, and um, yeah, rather not pay anything and just use pay for my domain every year, and that's it. So pretty cool. Yep. Nice. Yep. 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 Very good. Yeah, yeah I am. Um, I've like I've had the the notion of you know redoing it and just going back to basic Markdown, but yeah. at the same time, I don't write a lot on it anymore, and yeah, so sure. I'm going to spend time to rebuild the site, only to then not <laughs> not use it. So. I think I'll just uh, just leave it for the time being. Yes, I laughed when you said <laughs> I laughed when you said rebuild it just to not post it, anything on it again. So it's like, yeah, I can I can mm-hmm. uh, I can identify with that. I think that's most people. Mm. Yeah, it's like, you know yeah, what? Honestly, great. though, like I feel like if I had a great way to just push any of my thoughts, like, hey, here's the thing, here's a photo. Like, I want to like micro blog. You know, I want to basically do Twitter yeah. but on my blog and just own the content rather than push it out to Twitter. Mm-hmm. I would I would probably do that. Um, like, okay, there's stupid stuff that I've been doing that I would put on there. Like I'm redoing our bathroom, our kid's bathroom upstairs right now. There are so many things I've learned doing this stupid project that -hmm. are not development related, but it's my freaking blog. So I can say whatever I want. Right. Um, like if you're ever trying to install a tub insert into a bathroom, um, don't like, you can't do it if you're trying to put it flat in the area where the drywall is still on the walls because it's a direct to stud installation. So you have to do it in the area where you've already cut the drywall out. Like, duh, I was so frustrated. This took me like 20 minutes to figure out, like you should know that I learned how to sweat pipes. Like I had to do this, like soldering and crap for all this, like plumbing garbage I've never done before. Some good tips I learned like that I would love to share. Like that's the sort of stuff, like it's stupid, 
But if it was on my blog and I had an easy way to share it, I would share it. Like Wes Boss does that stuff. You know what I mean? He talks about like, yeah, yeah. I wired up these Hot Wheels cars or I drywalled my basement. I put a climbing wall in. Like people love, they love that crap. I don't know why, but they just do. I think it's like the real life aspect yeah. of it. Like there's interests outside of just the development world. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's kind of fun. If I put the work in yeah. to make it, it was, so it was really easy to blog, I think I'd probably do it more. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, yeah, no. I uh, I was interested when you when you posted that that photo of you know redoing your your bathroom and I yeah, thought yeah. that's pretty cool. Like I wouldn't even know where to begin, and then I'd go, <laughs> I don't think I'd even want to begin. Like I would just I would just get someone yeah. in to do it. Yeah, or I, I would not do it at all. Like those would be the two options. The yeah. doing it myself is not even a thought that would cross my mind. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, I I was sort of backed into a corner. Um, the water pressure was so bad. I just had to replace the, the, I had to replace. So here, okay. I'll give you the quick version. I had to replace the mixing valve that was behind the shower wall. Well, the only way to do that was two ways. Number one, rip out the tub or number two, cut a hole in the other side of the wall. The other side of the wall is in the guest bedroom. My wife said, can't do that. You won't patch it. I know you, you're not going to do it. (laughs) Don't cut a hole in the other wall. Long story short, I ripped out the tub and still had to cut a hole in the freaking wall on the other side in the guest room. Like I didn't save myself anything. It's like I could have just done this and been done with this six months ago. Whatever. Anyway, yeah. The um. So so the water pressure was so terrible, and we have some friends coming in a month from Arizona to stay for a little bit, and so I had to get this bathroom fixed up. So I just went to town on it. I was like, all right, today we're ripping out the tub. And so me and my oldest son took a sawzall to the uh, fiberglass tub and just cut the cut through all the corners and ripped it out. And then I was like, gave him a crowbar. I was like, Hey, pull up a piece of the flooring. And he just ripped it up. And then we went to town on that and ripped that out. It was fun. A demo day is always more nice. fun than trying to put stuff back together. So yeah, I'm trying oh, to teach sure. him a couple of things. Like, you know, for me, it's more about like, Hey, like you can save a lot of money doing a couple things easily yourself. If you have the courage to try it is what I'm trying to teach him. Right. I know yeah. someday he's going to be a poor newly married dude with like, you know, a wife who wants, a picture frame hung up or something, you know, or right. yeah. whatever. And I just, I want to help give him the skills to at least have the courage to try something uh, on his own. Yeah. You can always call a plumber if you mess it up, right? Hanging, hanging a picture frame is a long way away from uh... <laughs> <laughs> sweating pipes and cutting copper, sweating yeah. pipes. Right. Yeah. Thank God for you too. Um, the, the thing is with that kind of stuff is if you stuff it up, it gets way, way, way more expensive to fix it all. Yeah. Eh, depending. I mean, if you stuff it up really bad, I guess. Like, if you have it leaking all over the place, then yeah. But you also, like, if you know where the water shutoff valve is, then okay. Well, you know, so I made sure I wasn't doing it on a weekend. So I wouldn't have to pay, like, somebody to come out on a weekend to do it, whatever. So mm-hmm. I just made sure, I made sure I could shut off the water if I had to. Yeah, it was fine. So ended up working out. I know that's not the content you folks are here for, but that's what's going on. So. Anyway. It's the content you're getting, it's like it or not. It's the content you're getting. It's not the content you need, but it's the content you deserve, I guess. I don't know. Is that like the Batman thing? What is that? I think it's the other way around. It's not <laughs> the one we deserve. It's the one we need. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's, the con- it's not the content you deserve. It's the content you need. Uh, I don't know. It's not the content. I don't think it's either of those things, to be honest with you. I don't think you deserve it or need it, but it's it's what's nah. here. So anyway. That's All it. right, my friend. Um, What do you got? You got anything else or should we wrap this one up? Nothing. Laracon tickets are back on sale. Oh, yes. We spent, yeah, we spent 
probably three or four weeks going back and forth with the venue and sorting some things out on our side to be able to put more seats into the theater. And so now we have. So there is a very limited and very final release of seats available for this year's Laracon AU. And so if you missed out previously, then now is your absolute last chance. I promise this is not this is not a uh, a trick to like get you to buy tickets now and then and then to be more tickets later. Like this is it. This is the only um, tickets that are left. So get them while they're hot. This is all that's left. So yeah, we've um, exceeded our wildest expectations. Unfortunately, I'm very sad about this. We we didn't. I didn't have the expectation. There was no expectation around how many tickets we would sell. Right. The last couple of times it was kind of around 200 people and, you know, we were comfortable with that. It's a good size to, to kind of, you know, mingle and meet with everyone and, and talk with everyone and, and, and whatever. The venue has the capacity for more. Um, and so we, we actually sold out the, the initial ticket allocation that we had booked for right around when we published the, the talk schedule. Like that was, that was all done. And so when we had planned for this year's conference, it was only ever really around that that number of tickets. And so unfortunately, there are people that are going to miss out on the after dark party, which I'm a little bit sad about. Yeah. yeah. Because there the the there is a, you know, fire and safety, like there is a capacity at the after dark venue that like we just can't go past. So the ticket sales have have tipped over that threshold. So we we reduced the price of the tickets to to kind of compensate for that. Um, and I don't, I'd like to try and find something that we can do, but that will be certainly something that we keep in mind for next time. Cause like, as I said, there was no expectation around, you know, selling out the venue or anything like that. It's, it's been, you know, it's, it's kind of weird in that it's been several years since the last Laracon. So you, you'd think people would be eager for it, but also with the way that the economy is going and like people, you know, the cost of living is going up and there are things that you do and don't want to spend money on. And so, you know, we kind of were very tentative. I was kind of, I was kind of very tentative about, you know, tempering that expectation to be like, you know, hopefully we'll we'll sell it out and we should be okay kind of thing. So next year we'll certainly plan for, for, you know, more than this year. Sure. And, and, you know, make sure that, that we're accommodating on on that front. So we'll see how we go. But long and short of it, tickets are back on sale. Couldn't say how long they're they're going to be available for. We sold a good number yesterday. I know that some people probably want to have to go back and get approvals and and double check things and whatever else. But, you know, they're there while they're there until they're not, and then they're not. And so I'm, I'm, I'm excited. We've still got some announcements and some bits and pieces to come around Laracon, which I'm I'm excited about. And so I can't wait to start sharing that information with everyone. And uh, we're inside, we're almost inside two months now uh, away from the conference. So it's coming up on us pretty quickly. Just a matter of tying off all the loose ends and making sure everything's ready and making sure that speakers have got all of their flights and stuff organized. We, we finalized all the accommodation for them this week. So all happening it's exciting it's all, man all getting to the 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 pointy end as it were it's exciting that's awesome 
Well, yeah, congratulations to you for uh, getting all that wrapped up, man. That's that's a lot of work. That's a ton of work. And so um, yeah. I'm excited for you that it's it's getting close here and hopefully uh, you'll be able to see uh, the payoff for all your hard work soon. So that's great. Mm-hmm. So everybody buy yeah. tickets. That's the, that's the moral of the story. That's it. That's it. Absolutely. All right, folks. This was episode 143, I believe. Check out show notes for this episode yeah. at northmeetsouth.audio slash 143. Hit us up on your pod, sorry, rate it up in your podcatcher of choice. Five stars would be amazing. And hit us up on Twitter at Michael Dillinger, Jacob Bennett, or at North South Audio. Till next time, folks. See you later.